you know, obviously you were recruited in basketball. I think it was a conversation we had when I first mm-hmm. got here in free agency. But, you know, I didn't realize Tom Izzo offered you. Yeah, I didn't it, realize, you know, I think Kentucky even was interested. Uh, I visited all the Carolina schools. Uh, my Which family's is had, really cool, by the way. My family's had <laughs> Kentucky season tickets forever. And, you know, I say all the time, had Coach Calipari been at Kentucky when I was in high school and not after I got to college, it would have been really hard for me to not go an hour and 15 minutes south of home and, and play basketball wow. in UK where my family has had season tickets forever. I, I was sitting in Coach Tressel's office at Ohio State and he's like, I heard you're going to be a basketball player. And I was like, yes. And he said, you ever thought about playing both? And I was like, yeah, maybe. I didn't, even, I didn't even know that. I didn't have that problem. But <laughs> and, my man Rudy, he had two sports with that problem. <laughs> And good evening, everyone, and welcome to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. Mark Rosen as your host again tonight. And Kirk, uh, I don't know where to start. Uh, these numbers are staggering. 42 points, 503 total yards. You threw four touchdown passes, no interceptions, no sacks, five different Vikings scored touchdowns. Hmm. Dalvin Cook ran for 142 yards. You became the first quarterback to throw over for over 300 yards or more and generate a passer rating of 130 or higher in three straight games. I'm out of breath talking about it. <laughs> Overall, though, uh, just yeah. a, a wonderful Sunday afternoon for, offensively for the Vikings. Yeah, and don't really know what to attribute, to, attribute it to or why necessarily because you don't go into the game saying, oh, we're going to do that. You just take each play for what it is. I think you have to give Kevin Stefanski and our offensive staff credit because clearly the plays were keeping our opponent off balance, and that's a big part of it. And then when you can spread the ball around and have five different pl- players score touchdowns, certainly that suggests you got some players and you can move the ball around to different talent. And uh, it was just a, a blessed day. You know, everything seemed to click, and that's one of those days you just smile walking away from because it was so clean. Have there been adjustments made since the, the Bears game from an offensive uh, playbook standpoint for, with Stefanski and Kubiak and yourself? Because we've seen what's happened, what happened with the Giants, with the Eagles, and then yesterday again that uh, everything seemingly has changed. Maybe it's the, the pass setting up the run, yeah. whatever it might be, but uh, boy, it's working. It's the same system. You know, Maybe there's a little bit more aggressiveness, but for the most mm-hmm. part it's the same system, and quite a bit of our system is going into a game, getting a feel for how we're being defended early in the game, and then reacting accordingly. We do carry a lot of offense each week, which gives us the freedom to uh, change as we see fit based on what the defense is doing. And I think those adjustments or that awareness of how we're being defended and then then the plan of attack coming off of that has been really strong. And um, and so I, I don't know what to attribute it to, except that maybe we're starting to find our identity and hit stride and get a little more comfortable with a new offense. And Things have come together. The key is, can we keep it rolling? You know, because just three weeks, that'll be forgotten. But if it's, you know, 11, 12 weeks that you put together, then it becomes a special year. Well, the, the play action pass, the bootlegs, uh, even if, when you're going to your left and throwing back over to the right, all those things seem to be in, in your comfort zone. Because as Mike Zimmer said, you're really playing free right now. You're putting the ball in good places, even on incompletions. Yeah. Well, it, uh, it, it marries well with our run game. So it all starts with running the football. Uh, because Dalvin is a significant threat and our run game in general is a significant threat, you have to defend it. If you ignore it, we'll do what we did against the Falcons and Raiders and just keep running and only have 10 pass attempts. So uh, you have to defend that. And then when you do, it seems to open up some of those abilities to leave the pocket, to take some shots down the field, to take advantage of teams that do have to stop the run. And so uh, when you can marry the two together where at the snap it looks like another run, and then it turns into a pass, I, I do think that gives us a great benefit. The Lions took a 7 nothing lead. Then the shootout began in earnest. Uh, you get uh, Irvin, Irv Smith Jr. on a nice 26-yard uh, reception. Then the pass to Adam Thielen everyone was talking about. Handoff goes to Madison. He's throwing. No, it's a bootleg. Cousins rolls left. Throws end zone. Caught Thielen. Touchdown. 
It's Cousins to Thielen on some beautiful play action trickery. A 25-yard touchdown. Back of the end zone. My goodness, just a dead-on throw and also tiptoeing by but Adam right. in, the con, in the course of that uh, tweaked a hamstring. So yeah. kind of take us through that whole play call. Well, first of all, great play call, uh, great design. Um, you know, coming out of the fake, we needed to get the edge. We got the edge. Uh, Ham was in the flat. He was matched, had a completion, but felt like it was going to be for a, a minimal gain. Really wanted Rudy, but they did a good job covering him. And then started to pull up, which I probably shouldn't do. And at that point, either need to throw it away and I guess just found Adam. And uh, the, the safety started to come downhill a little bit to help take away the other options. And I felt that and felt like Darius Slay was trailing Adam and thought, I'll put it in the back of the end zone where it's ours or nobody's. And credit to Adam for being able to get that second foot down when I saw the replay. You know, he really has to, to have practiced that and have a good feel for how to catch that ball, slow his, his uh, momentum down, and get two feet in. That's what a polished receiver does. You were uh, obviously concerned. You sprinted uh, down to where Adam was against the wall there and, and concerned about what had happened because he wasn't getting up right away. Yeah, he, he you know, hit that wall pretty good. And um, it just, I could tell something wasn't right. So I wanted to make sure they came over to take a look at him. And uh, that was a tough loss. And I, I did have concern initially of what our offense looks like without number 19 going every snap. And. Uh, it was encouraging that we were still able to move the football and score a lot of points. And you can talk about the stats, and certainly they tell some of the story, but ultimately it's about points. And the fact that we put up 42 is where I'm most proud because that's ultimately what you're measured by. Play action, pass left, caught, touchdown! It's B.C. Johnson! It's a touchdown for the rookie from Colorado State, the first of his career. Well, B.C. Johnson, we've uh, talked about him quite a bit in the course of this show the last five, six yeah. weeks. But uh, this young man who came on the show and talked about his studying habits, and that's the thing right. that resonated with me, Kirk, is that he spent so much time in the, in the playbook that you could see that his comfort zone with you in particular right now is hitting stride. He's done a great job. Um, he's grown every week, and uh, he's getting more comfortable. Um, as a result, I'm getting more comfortable with him. Um, and we're going to call on his number going forward, and uh, and it's been great to get that work together and to build that rapport such that when we do call his number, uh, we can get it done. And we had him in a lot of different routes yesterday, doing a lot of different things, and um, I think we're all, coaching staff included, excited about his future as a Viking. Every offense loves to have uh, the short field, to say the least, but you don't always get that opportunity no. to get pinned back to your three-yard line. The game was tied at 14. You proceeded to go on a 15-play, 97-yard drive. And there were some key plays. Uh, one of them was to our guest who's coming up in a few minutes, uh, Kyle Rudolph, on a third and two. A little play action pass to him, and that sort of kick-started that long drive. Yeah, it was a, a great, you know, again, three-yard line. It's noisy. If nothing else, you're trying to just get a first down so you can flip the field and your punt team doesn't have to run out there and punt from our end zone. Um, you know, you don't know if you're going to go 97 yards, but uh, we were able to do that, and it was just one play at a time, chipping away, converting third downs, and uh, you know, the play action, the drop back game, the bootlegs, and then the runs, and it really has sprinkled everything in there. Really, the only thing we didn't get at yesterday was screens, uh, but mm -hmm. I guess that's because the other pieces were were getting the job done. How much pressure did Detroit bring? Your offensive line yeah. kept you clean the entire game. But... Yeah, to not take a sack uh, says a lot about what they did in protection uh, up front for for me and for our offense. Uh, the rush was a lot of times a four man rush, sometimes a three man rush, and sometimes they did bring pressure. More of their pressures were on rundowns where we were running the football. Uh, they did a good job trying to double certain receivers at times, and um, it just seemed like uh, we responded to how 
what they chose to bring, whether it was a blitz or a double coverage or split safety or single safety, mm-hmm. we had an answer. We had a response, and you're not going to have every player every game, but uh, yesterday it just seemed to consistently be there for us, and it felt good to have that answer time and again. After cashing in on another third and two, another pass to Kyle Rudolph, as a matter of fact, uh, Alexander Madison ran nine yards, and then it set up a first and goal at the eight. On first and goal, handoff to Dalvin around the left side, cuts at the five, bounces off a lion at the two, looks for the goal line, touchdown! Touchdown, Dalvin Cook! And Dalvin Cook did his thing, but Irv Smith Jr., they brought this up, they could see it on the, on TV as well. What a block he set yes. to set him free. And this is this doesn't always happen with young football players right. playing that position. Well, at the tight end position, you're asked to mentally handle a lot because you have to know the run game and pass game inside out formationally you have to line up all over the field you have to handle all the different motions and shifts you're probably going to motion far more than any other position and then on those motions you got to be able to adjust on the fly to what the defense does you got to know the whole route tree and so we ask a lot of tight ends mentally and Irv being able to handle all that in the pass game and the mm-hmm. run game is a, is a great credit to him. And so when you can have a rookie that you can trust to do a variety of things, it makes a big difference at that position. But you knew you were going to have to keep the pedal down. Uh, Matthew oh, yeah. Stafford was not backing down. He's a gutty quarterback. You've watched him for a number of years. Well, yeah, part of the reason you score the points we did and had the production we did was there was an awareness that we're going to need to. You know, We can't sit back and be conservative and, and just run the clock. We're going to need to keep the foot on the gas pedal because they're, they're humming too. And uh, he is a guy that you never feel safe with a lead. And um, even when we had a lead at the end, I didn't feel comfortable. So uh, we kept the foot on the gas pedal, and the plays kept showing up for us. And uh, it was just a banner day. We saw the, the same play call, I think, twice. Once with John, B.C. Johnson, who caught his first NFL touchdown pass, and later with C.J. Ham. Play action. Kirk rolls out to the left, looking for C.J. Ham. Found him. Touchdown! Second touchdown of his career for C.J. Ham, and Cousins has thrown three today. It was great to get him the football for a touch. He deserves it. He's done so many great things, dirty work time and again, and uh, he's a big part of our offense, plays a lot of snaps now, and uh, he is involved in the pass game quite a bit, so I've always wanted to get him a touchdown, and hopefully there's plenty more where that came from, and it's it's the first of many. Again, we'll talk with Kyle Rudolph in a few minutes, but you hit him on a touchdown pass, uh, open over the middle, yeah. make it 35-24. I, I don't recall seeing that play before. Cousins, back to pass, straight in the pocket, dump over the middle, Rudolph, five, touchdown! Kirk Cousins has thrown four touchdown passes, two consecutive weeks. That's Kyle Rudolph's first touchdown of the season. It's good from 16, and it's 34-24 Vikings. Uh, It was there for you. Yeah, it was. The guy in man coverage just got bumped off by his own defender, and then that uh, gave Rudy separation. And from there, he did a great job closing to the end zone and finishing the play. And um, such a friendly target. I, I joke that he's the, I call him the mattress because when you throw into a pillow, you know how the pillow kind of absorbs the foot, uh, absorbs a ball and it, it just kind of is an easy, gentle reception. That's the way he is, but he's so much bigger than a pillow. So I call him the mattress because when I throw to him, it's like a giant mattress running down the field. That's just an easy, easy target. There are still some anxious moments. Give the Lions credit. They came back. It was 35 30. They went for two. The Vikings stopped him on the two point conversion. You're facing a second and six in your 29. Still plenty of time on the clock. They, I think, a nine or ten, almost a ten-man front, and the play-action pass to, to Diggs. I think uh, Mike Zimmer said, "We didn't come here to cower. We went here. We yeah. came here to put the pedal down again." Yeah, on the road in the division, I think you need, especially like we said, with what their offense was doing, we needed to stay aggressive even in the very end. And uh, they didn't have a safety in the middle of the field. And when you load the box with ten players, uh, you're not going to run the ball well. There's just the numbers would suggest you're not going to do it. 
And when Diggsy has an entire football field with only one guy covering him, it would make sense to put the ball up to him. Cousins play action. He's going to fire deep. Diggs right side. Yes! Diggs caught it at the 30. Angles to the left, 25-20. He sprints to the 15, to the 10. Holding on tightly to the ball with both hands. And he's taken down at the 4. Uh, thankfully, with a 10-man front, we protected well enough where we could take the drop and get the ball out to him, and then he did the rest. And, um, you know, that was a, a sigh of relief when we got down inside the 5-yard line and made that big play. You know, Dix's brother was teasing him on Twitter not being able to finish and get in the end zone. I, I was know. teasing him too a little bit. I wanted him to, to see him close that out, but uh, I guess at some point, too, you're worried about ball security and, and all that, too. Well, then you got a guy named Dalvin Cook. And again, it looked like he had been stopped on the 3-yard line. You know, okay, you go for it again on another down, and he wiggled his way into the end zone. That was pretty much game, set, and match at that point. And off Dalvin Cook, stutter step right, shakes the tackle, 3-2, touchdown! with his second touchdown today, has gotten the Vikings to the winner's circle, leading 41-30 with 1.55 to go in the game. I think so. I, I also, um, you know, I was telling him, guys, it's not going to be easy to score here on the 3-4 yard line with, again, 11 people right there to defend it. But we have to. you got to get it in. We can't settle for a field goal. It's a one-possession game if we kick a field goal. And so, uh, to his credit, he bounced it back uh, to the left and, and found his way in. And then that was, I, th- I think, like you said, kind of the, the dagger, the nail in the coffin. It, it, it looked like you had to be like, peacekeeper a little bit at the end. Things got a little feisty. The Lions <laughs> got a little upset about things. And the yeah. victory formation, does that happen once in a while? Yeah, they, they were doing their job. I mean, they're going to try to create a fumble or create some kind of mm-hmm. uh, poor execution by us. But, uh, you know, I would have liked to have... Um, you know, been able to just kneel it out, but obviously they got to do their job, and um, and then I just was kind of asking the refs, hey, just make sure this is you know handled properly as we finish the game. Well, let's take a listen to what head coach Mike Zimmer had to say uh, after Sunday's victory in Detroit. I have one game ball I'm gonna give out right now to number eight. Ah! Hey, and the rest of the offense gets one too. Hey, we need to go get this next win now. We need to clean up what we did wrong today, okay, and keep the good things that we did going, right? Ran the ball. We had 140 yards receiving with Diggs. We had 140 yards rushing with Cookie. That's a hell of a job, fellas. All right? All right, Kirk, now you can go. Now it's me. Hey, we got a short week. We gotta be a pro this week, man. Get ready and get to six and two at the halfway point, man. Yeah. Get to six and two and set ourselves up for that halfway point. Let's go. Bikes on three, one, two, three. Bikes. Yeah, I mean, my message always during the season is looking forward to the next challenge. You know, it's hard. You don't. I probably don't celebrate the wins enough. Uh, you work so hard, but my natural instinct is to say, okay, what, what do we got to do next? And my thought went right to, hey, we got a short week Thursday night. And uh, that's the halfway point after that game. That's eight games in. So let's let's get a win there and then enjoy a long weekend. But until that point, it was hard for me to just sit there and pat everybody on the back. And that was your last divisional game on the road this year. Yeah. An important one because the losses in Green Bay and Chicago, that was yeah. one you really had to have on Sunday. I, I, I think so. It was interesting that we started with three road games in division and then we'll finish with three home divisional games. Well, stick around. Coming up next, we'll chat with tight end Kyle Rudolph right here under center with Kirk Cousins. And welcome back to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. And Kirk, we have a very special guest, one of your best friends right. in studio. Kyle Rudolph, nine years with the Minnesota Vikings. My goodness, how time has flown by. And uh, so immersed in this community, 
uh, a big part of the Twin City area and, of course, uh, with this football team. And, Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm yeah. glad to be in here with you guys. Yeah, yeah. thrilled to have you on. So. Uh, it's, it's, it's great to have you in there. I mean, first of all, let's talk about the game on Sunday, uh, the, the, the shootout in Detroit yeah. and your impact on the game. And did you have a sense that it was going to be one of those type games uh, from the get-go? You know, we knew Kevin talked to us the night before at the hotel, and, and he told us, you know, whoever plays harder the longer is going to win this game. And, and he was exactly right. It was a 60-minute shootout, hard-fought game, and that's what you get when you go on the road in this division. You know, my opinion, it's the toughest division in football, and uh, it, was, it was important for us to not go 0-3 on the road in this division. Right. So that was a big one for us to go over there and get in Detroit yesterday. Well, Rudy played through some stuff yesterday, showed a lot of toughness, um, and he probably he did have one great touchdown that really helped ice the game. He probably could have two or three more. Uh, there were a couple where he was he was pretty open. We could have made it happen, but uh, unfortunately we didn't connect. But uh, uh, he's just done a phenomenal job this year uh, with all that we've asked him to do, and uh, he's so versatile. And I'm not just saying this because he's on the show. He is the smartest player I've ever played with. And by smart, he's certainly intelligent, but there's a football awareness smart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, for me, I'll go to him on the sideline. Like yesterday when the, when the Lions are driving and we have, I believe it was an 11-point lead, He's the guy I go to to say, all right, so situationally they got this many timeouts, so so what do you do here, and then what do we have to do in response, and how do we handle the clock? And I don't even go to coaches. I go to Rudy. Interesting. And then, uh, and then the other piece that's interesting is, you know, when you get in the, in the fire, sometimes it, the, the moment can be too big for people, especially young players. You know, they got to play their way through sometimes, and year two, year three, they start to lock in. Rudy's a guy that, even for me as an eight-year player, he's like a steadying presence in the huddle. Like, even if he doesn't have a catch – even if he, you know, statistically may be quiet that day, the impact he has on me, on the huddle, on just the operation, it's, it's just, it's not too big for him. And it's just very steady. And that's one of those things that's hard to define, but when you're that aware, I, I don't know how to use it, I just say he's a smart mm-hmm. player. It's mm-hmm. hard to articulate. And so, uh, and then in addition to the intelligence, to the awareness, he has the best hands I've ever played with. And uh, and I play with some some players with great hands, but it's uh, it's pretty unbelievable the catches he makes. And I've said this again and again, but I have to trust him more because he can catch anything. And so even when he's covered, I'll say no to him, and then I'll go back and look at the picture of the film and say, you know what, I just need to force it in there and just drive the ball to him because he'll make me right. And so uh, that's my little spiel on Rudy. But uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I had him in it. here. I had to brag on him. And uh, sometimes when you do a press conference, you don't get the chance to just brag on him. So I had to do that. Yet uh, Sunday's game was really the first chance. I think. Did you sense something when we were breaking down film, both Kirk and, and, and Kyle, leading into this game, that you were going to have more chances to catch the ball? Because it's been pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's only one football, as they say, and you've been able to spread it around pretty well. Well, I think, you know, Kirk mentioned about, you know, whether it's calmness or patience, uh, just a presence in a huddle. It's something when you've played for nine years, you've pretty much seen it all. You've been through it all. And, you know, early on in my career, you know, I would get a little anxious. I would I would get um, a little bit of anxiety, you know, when first quarter, second quarter goes by, you haven't touched the ball yet, and you're like, oh, man, like – and and you just learn that it's going to come at some point. And throughout my career, I, I've really tried to, yeah, they say it all the time, control what you can control. And for me, it's it's just letting the game play out as it is. You never know when your opportunity is going to be called. Um, but when it is called, you want to make the most of it. You don't want to squander it because you've been anxious about when that moment was going to come. And 
you know, for us this season through the first seven games, my role has been different. Um, you know, it's we've got, in my opinion, the best running back in football. He he has more rushing yards than half the league, than 16 teams. It's unbelievable. Um, so Dalvin's been running the ball phenomenal, and then obviously we've got two incredibly talented wide receivers, and you know, got to get the ball in their hands. And you know, unfortunately, Adam goes down early in the game yesterday, and we played the game in a lot of two and three tight end sets, and uh, Diggsy was Diggsy and made unbelievable plays and and it was just one of those games where uh the target share for the tight ends went up um just based on the fact that it, we had to get the ball somewhere and with right. Adam going down you had to get it to the tight ends and he tends to have success at Ford Field I don't know what yeah, it is against the Lions Detroit's so been very good if, to me if I don't there know. was any hunch that I had it was just because hey we're going to Detroit playing at Ford Field it seems like it's one way or another Rudy gets the ball and uh I also thought, you know, play calling helps. We just seem to have more opportunities. And when we were in third and one, third and two, instead of just running it with Dalvin, a couple of times we called play actions. And, you know, that's going to give us more opportunities to push the ball downfield. And, um, you know, it's hard to put a, also put a metric on what Rudy and the other tight ends are doing for us in pass protection because so many of our play actions have been the key to our success as an offense. And most of those play actions, if not all, require a tight end to stay in and protect to sell the run. And so you got to have somebody do it, and uh, Rudy's obviously the guy we trust the most. And so sometimes he's the sacrificial lamb, if you will, because he's <laughs> having to be the one protecting because we trust him the most to be the guy to do that. Kyle, Kirk mentioned you have the best hands for anyone he's played with. I mean, that, that doesn't come by accident. How much work have you poured into that aspect of your game? Well, I, I do need to interrupt. When you have hands this good, I was, yeah. you're born with them. Are you? I was going to say, you know, part of it is just, yeah, part of it is, holy cow, part of it is just being born with these mitts. Um, (laughs) and the the other part of it is just, you know, to be quite honest, as a kid, you know, that that was all we did. Like, you know, you go out in the yard and you throw the ball around and it's, baseball it's basketball yeah. it's playing catch football and you know just when when you're always doing things that require hand-eye yeah. coordination uh you know pass catching has always been something that's come naturally to me he's a hand-eye guy mm-hmm. so you you know put a ball in his hands he's gonna whatever natural sport. right exactly yeah. talk a little bit about your basketball days I, yeah. I didn't even realize i knew with your frame and you know obviously you were recruited in basketball i think it was a conversation we had when i first mm-hmm. got here in free agency but um you know, I didn't realize Tom Izzo offered you. Yeah, I didn't it, realize, you know, I think Kentucky even was interested. And so talk a little about that process of even deciding to play football. I It's funny. I tell people all the time, I'm not really sure how it happened. Um, you know, my freshman and sophomore year of high school, I was dead set. Uh, I visited all the Carolina schools. Uh, my family's Which is really had, cool, by the way. My family's <laughs> had Kentucky season tickets forever. And, you know, I say all the time, had Coach Calipari been at Kentucky when I was in high school and not after I got to college, it would have been really hard for me to not go an hour and 15 minutes south of home and, and play basketball wow. in the U.K. where my family has had season tickets forever. My great-uncle's number is retired at Rupp. Wow. Um, so... You know, it's I, I joke all the time, just somewhere between my sophomore and junior year, I, I was sitting in Coach Tressel's office at Ohio State, and he's like, I heard you're going to be a basketball player. And I was like, yes. And he said, you ever thought about playing both? And I was like, yeah, maybe. Uh, and then once that year, and I tell people all the time, the recruiting process then was different. When we were getting recruited, you couldn't get a scholar, an official scholarship offer until September 1 of your junior year in football. 
in I didn't basketball. Even, I didn't even know that. I didn't have that problem. But <laughs> in, my man Rudy, he had two sports with that problem. <laughs> in, in basketball, they they could have a seventh grader that they want to offer a scholarship. Oh, for. We've yeah. seen and, it, sure. And and now since football has changed and they they've removed that rule and you can be offered at any time. But so for me, the recruiting process really picked up going into my junior year oh, for football. Just think if if you had accepted Izzo's offer, you could have been at Michigan State instead of Notre Dame. It's funny, like in talking about basketball. Notre Dame basketball recruited me before Notre Dame football did. Again, That's a great the timing program. the timing is just different. So so Coach Bray recruited me and you know, he sent an assistant coach down to one of my games as a sophomore and I remember telling my parents like how cool would it be to play basketball at Notre Dame because I love football too and, and you have such a rich history and tradition in the football program. I was like, That'd be cool. I could go to all the football games and, and get to play basketball at Notre Dame, get a Notre Dame education. And then sure enough I end up going there to to play football. So He's a pretty smart guy, as I talked about earlier. So he looked at the options, mm-hmm. and he said, Charlie Weiss, NFL offense, chance to play with some playmakers, push the ball down the field, and it worked out. I mean, when you go play there for three years and you're done, you're a second-round pick, and you have a nine-year career, I think you made the right that. decision. So it's hard to go nine back and years look now. Well, now that uh, I understand why you're such good friends with Carl Anthony Towns, because mm-hmm. of your Kentucky background. Yes, absolutely. It, it was great. We drafted Carl number one. Uh, <laughs> exciting guy to have here in the Twin Cities, and I mean, as talented as they come. I think he's really one of the best young players in the game. And I'm just a basketball nut, so I'm looking forward to, <laughs> to going down and checking the Wolves out in the home opener on Sunday against the Heat. That's awesome. Now talk about, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, Timberwolves fan. You stay here mm-hmm. all summer. When we, when we have time off, you stay here all winter. Uh, you're, you know, building your forever home here. Mm-hmm. Talk about life as a Minnesotan, that process of going from a rookie who I don't think had spent any time here Never. to building it to become likely your forever home. Well, and when you spend almost a decade in one place, Jordan and myself are both from the Midwest. You know, she's a West Michigander. That's right. Um, Southwest Michigan. I'm from Cincinnati, so we both grew up in in the Midwest, and then neither one of us had ever been to Minnesota before we came here as drafted by the Vikings. Uh, But we've just fallen in love with the place. The people here are phenomenal. They're as nice as they come. Um, Having all three of our kids here, uh, our kids will be there are have been born here and will be raised here and the school systems are phenomenal we love i mean there's nothing more that i enjoy than going out whether it's in yz where we live or yep. going downtown the people are just so nice whether it's after a huge win or after a tough loss in season um you go out in public and if it's after a tough loss all they're talking about is next week and you know we'll get them next week don't yeah. worry about it and you know that's just something that i appreciate so much about the twin cities in the state of minnesota is the the lifestyle your lifestyle and your family's lifestyle situation also important in the context of understanding the nfl is a business and you had to make a business decision sort of the vikings as far as staying here mm-hmm. reviewing your deal wanting to be a minnesota viking for life no no doubt and it's hard when business gets in the way of things. Uh, you know, we all play this game because we love it. Uh, but with that being said, there are business decisions that have to be made in this game, and we're just incredibly fortunate to have been in one place for nine years. Uh, it doesn't happen often in this league, but um, you know what the Will family and Rick Spielman and everybody's done in this organization to keep us here for nine years you know we're, we're forever indebted to them because this has now become our home you know a lot of the things that we do in the community is because this is home for us now and we're so passionate about the twin cities and about this community uh and it's because we've been here for nine years and our roots just keep getting deeper and deeper here all right thanks guys we'll be back with more with kyle rudolph right after this 
All right, welcome back to the show. We're back here with Kyle Rudolph and quarterback Kirk Cousins. Can you share a little bit about what you've done over the last nine years as far as getting involved in the community? Mm-hmm. What has been your passion, your wife's passion, some of the different projects you've done? I know it's a variety of things, but uh, can you just share a little bit? Yeah, one of the things when I came here as a 21-year-old, wide-eyed, bushy-tailed rookie was uh, you know, I was around guys like Steve Hutchinson, Chad Greenway, John Sullivan, uh, guys that were already doing incredible things in this community. And, you know, for me, whether it was Community Tuesdays here with the team or when teammates would have their charity events, if it was a lead the way event, if Steve Hutchinson was hosting an event at the hospital, it was important for me to be there. And I wanted to do as many things as I could um, and really find out what I was passionate about. Uh, A lot of people know my family story with my brother having beat pediatric cancer. Uh, So kids and pediatrics have always been something that's near and dear to our heart. Uh, But it it really wasn't until I got down to Masonic Children's Hospital and and started spending time with those patients and the families that I I really knew this is what I want to do. You know, there's so many other things that we you know, get our hands in on, whether it's the the Starkey Foundation here in in Eden Prairie. Uh, Matter is another great organization that we work with here. And it's, there's so many things here in the Twin Cities and so many people are doing so many great things that we just try to support everyone. Um, (laughs) And honestly, it's, it's, it's great because our, our organization has created that culture in our locker room. And we have so many guys on our team that are doing so many great things in this community. It's fun to go out and support them. Kirk, I don't know if you got a chance to see that, the video and it, it, it gave me goosebumps. I get goosebumps thinking about it when you were Reading the letters mm-hmm. from right. the kids that sent you—that was really well done. Thank you. Wasn't that something? I mean, that that was so yeah. touching, and the expression on your face said it all. What it meant to you and your family. Yeah, and it, like I said, when when you do work with the the hospital, or you know, there were so many. It was such a wide spectrum of people that wrote letters, and um, you almost take it for granted. You just do what you do, and and you serve others. And and for us as athletes with a huge platform. You know, we don't ever expect anything in return. You know, I tell people all the time when I go to the hospital and I visit the patients, you know, selfishly, I think I get more out of it than they do. You know, you leave there and, oh, and yeah. whether it's a parent or the patient or a nurse or a doctor, they tell you how much it means to that patient that you were there. And I always tell them immediately that, you know, you have no idea what this patient just did for mm-hmm. me. And, you know, oftentimes we're going in on a Tuesday during the season. Uh, we had a great game, big win, you, you know, you're emotional about it, or it was a tough loss and, you know, the world's ending. Well, then you sit there next to a bedside right. and you get to know a patient and their family and it's like, now nah, my perspective, perspective is off. Amen. Well, when you get that involved in the community, you know, it's not only making a difference for the people in the community and then obviously blessing him and his family as well with what they're able to gain from a perspective, but it makes a difference for our locker room because I think young players come in, and I'm speaking from my experience when I was a young player, and you look at the guys who have stayed here nine years, had success, been to Pro Bowls, and you say, how does he do things? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to copy that. That's just common sense. Well, when you have a guy who does things the right way outside the building and inside the building, it transforms your locker room because now your younger players you're drafting are figuring out how to do things correctly. And they're not watching a bad example, they're watching a good example. And so, again, there's intrinsic value in what Rudy brings to our team far beyond what people even see just because of the way he goes about his business. And one of those things, you know, I noticed your seventh all-time in Vikings history on receptions. Obviously, that's because of a lot of production, but one of the keys people don't realize is staying healthy. Mm -hmm. It's huge. You can't be seventh all-time if you're missing time. And so talk a little bit about, and, you know, again, knock on wood, but talk a little bit about 
staying healthy and just your process of taking care of your body and what that looks like? Well, the, the first thing I always tell people when they ask, you know, you know, how do you do it? You know, what, what's your routine? Um, I always tell people in this game, the number one thing that has to happen is you have to have good luck. Yeah, amen. You have to have good luck. And, you know, I think back to early in my career, 2013, uh, you know, through the eighth game of the season, we were playing in Dallas. And, you know, I was off to statistically one of my best starts of the year. And I catch a touchdown pass from Christian Ponder, uh, break a tackle on the way into the end zone. And sure enough, the guy falls on my foot and it breaks. Mm. There's nothing that you could have done, you know, prehab-wise, strength and conditioning, massage, like no matter what you do to take care of your body, in this game there's collisions and there's yeah. a lot of collisions and bodies are flying. If someone falls on you, there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, with that being said, I do feel like as you get older, you, you find out what your body needs on a weekly basis to get ready to play on Sundays, but also in the off-season. What do you have to do? in february and march to recover from the longest season that we've played in our careers or what do i have to do now to set myself up as ota's approach as we're on our five-week summer break what do i have to do to get ready for training camp it's year round and i think you just you kind of learn the calendar dictates what it's what what time it is and what i'm supposed to be doing is that um, recovery issue for both of you uh, accelerated because, well, the NFL likes Thursday night football games. You have one of them yeah, this right, week, so you right. don't have a lot of time to deal with a lot of that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. On, on When you play these Thursday night games, it's funny. We come in on a Monday, and normally on a Monday, it's just get your workout in, get in the tub, you know, watch the tape from yesterday and, and kind of put to bed the things that we need to improve on. And then you, you know, you're thinking about what am I going to do tomorrow on my day off? And <laughs> today is a Monday, Tuesday, and by the end of the day, it'll be Wednesday evening as we're finishing up our first and second down game plan. So everything's accelerated a little bit. Yeah, but, we're getting ready for a, a big one Thursday night. Um, after this game, we're halfway in the regular season. You mm -hmm. know, hopefully we're not halfway when it comes to the, to the full uh, slate of work. But uh, big one Thursday night. I'm really excited to get back home and uh, have a chance to you know get to 6-2. and two. But uh, just talk about, Rudy, your thoughts going into yeah. Thursday night's game. Well, it's interesting. You look at the, the last two times we were in the playoffs and where we were through four games in both 15 and 17 and where we were at the halfway point. Uh, in both of those years, we started the year 2-2. Two and two. Uh, In both of those years to the halfway point, we were 6-2. and two. And with a win on Thursday night, that will put us at 6-2 and two through the halfway point. So it's huge for us on a short week to just – you know, empty the bucket, as they say. Like, we got to right. go all in and right. just do everything that we have to do to make sure that come Thursday night when it's zeros on the clock, we've done everything to, to leave with a win. Yeah, with, with a short week, I always remind myself, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday are coming. Yes. Where we can rest. So put in the work today. You know, I'm used to easing back into the work week, Monday and Tuesday being days to kind of catch your breath, and then you hit the ground running Wednesday. We're hitting the ground running Monday, so uh, you really um, understand, hey, the weekend's coming. We'll be able to rest then, give everything you got, so that through Thursday you're going to be happy with, with what you did. You know, to speak with Kyle Rudolph, and, and Kyle, having said that, is in your eyes, after being here for nine years, is this potentially the most versatile offensive team you've been a part of? Oh, no doubt. This is definitely the, the most talented offensive team that I've been on. And um, I touched upon Dalvin a little bit earlier, having more rushing yards than half of the league right now. Wow. It's, it's incredible. And, uh, you know, that's, that's just one piece. You know, Alexander Madison is 
one of the more talented rookie running backs I've ever seen. You know, sometimes he makes runs, and all of a sudden, until I see the number 25, I think it's Dalvin. And then you realize, no, that was Maddie. And then you get into the receiver room, and everyone knows about Thielen and Diggs, but uh, rookie wide receiver Ola B.C. Johnson. I mean, he just seems, when his number's called upon, he makes big catches. Uh, in our room, you have Irv and Conk, and you know I think Conk's a guy that never really gets enough credit because he kind of just does everything <laughs> good. You know, it's yeah. he's thrown in there for run blocking, he's thrown yeah. in there for pass protection. Uh, if you need him to run around and catch the ball, he's shown in the preseason that he yep. can do it. Uh, so it, you know, you add all those skill players around Kirk and what he's been able to do this season. Um, it's always fun. You got to throw the offensive line out there. We can't just talk That's about right. skill players all the time. Um, you know, our offensive linemen, you know, whether they're getting fired up to bagpipes in the pregame or, uh, you know, it's just so fun to see those guys coming off the field after a big drive. And uh, those guys are having a ton of fun right now. And let's face it, there's no place like home. We have to play a Thursday night game. Uh, much better being at U.S. Bank Stadium than having to travel to Washington, as it turns out, this week. No doubt. And, you know, our last Thursday night game was in L.A. So, you know, you talk about playing a tough game on Sunday and then. You know, we were leaving on Tuesday right. for the game already. So uh, at least we do have that fortune of being home on Thursday night. Absolutely. No, I, I can't say enough about the depth of our team and the difference that makes. I mean, think about what Mike Boone did in the preseason running the football. I think there's a lot of football teams right now that would like Mike Boone on their team. And uh, and then you think about what B.C. Johnson did. Conk is a guy that we trust, and, and that's not easily earned. You know, to have mm-hmm. your third tight end be someone that you trust to do a variety of things, running routes, protecting, run blocking. We have him play Y, U, F, multiple tight end positions. And so when you can have down the line guys, in theory, who you trust to get the job done in a variety of ways, it gives your play caller and your system, and speaking for myself, the quarterback, a lot of confidence, a lot of freedom to keep defenses guessing as to what's coming next. Kyle, on behalf of uh, all the Twin Cities Viking fans and outside the area as well, uh, thanks for all your contributions off the field, and uh, good luck on Thursday and for the rest of the season, of course. Thanks, Rosie. It's our pleasure. Well, Rudy, thanks for coming on the show. You know, I I do need to say in closing, um, you know, when I have a tough game, as we had a couple early this year, I always remind myself, play for the long game. You know, it's kind of like the stock market. You don't look every day, every month, every year. Unless you're you know, Slaughter. Unless you're Kyle Slaughter, you might look every day. But you look that must at be you know an inside what? Joke. Yes. I'm 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 doing this for 40 years, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to win over 40 years. And the pro career is very much like that. It's hey, there's gonna be some tough days. Uh, you got to keep chugging and play for the long game. And Kyle Rudolph is someone who, regardless of what happens going forward, has won the long game. And uh, that's not easy to do, and it says a lot about who he is as a person, as a player. And uh, so kudos to you for winning the long game, and let's keep winning the long game. Absolutely. And welcome back to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. And, Kirk, we had a nice chat there with Kyle Rudolph. And kind of the last conversation piece about you've gone through already from the outside looking in, oh, my goodness, what's wrong with Kirk Cousins, Uh, what's happening with this guy, to, wow, look at Kirk Cousins. He can't do anything (laughs) wrong. Uh, Life of the quarterback position. Yeah, I think Uh, so, Mark. That's just life as a quarterback. Welcome to my life a little bit. And the key is that I don't or my family doesn't hop on that roller coaster with everyone else. I understand as a fan the reaction and the and the emotion that's a part of that. The key for me is to not get too high after a couple of good games or get comfortable or content and then after a couple of bad games to not get down in the in the dumps or lose confidence. It's a shorter week so the national media even the local media won't have as much time to build up 
the game while well, you're playing Washington. We know you used to play for the Washington Redskins. Is there more to extract from this? Do you truly just look at it and go, okay, I, I'm ready. I'm just getting ready for a football game here on Thursday night. Yes, we have a history with this team. Mm-hmm. That goes without saying. I'm not mm-hmm. going to ignore that fact. Well, you know, all that matters is that we win. You know, that's all I'm trying to get out of this game. There's no other side story, no other focus. Just just win, win the football game however we need to do that. Um, when I think of my time in Washington, I just am grateful. I mean, grateful to be drafted by them when no one else had picked me. You know, I was a fourth-round pick who was hoping to go higher, and I'm not mad at Washington. They drafted me. They were the team that, that stuck their neck out and said, we're going to take this guy. So, so grateful for that. So grateful for the chance to play for the coaches that I played for, and I could name a whole host of names on that coaching staff that have blessed my life uh, as a result of my chance to play with them, for them. And then so many great teammates that, again, I could go on and name that are great players and great people. And uh, I'm so grateful that our paths crossed and I got to work with them and, and for them. So, you know, a lot of gratitude. And uh, I think going out in the field Thursday night will be a great reminder for me of, um, you know, just the Lord's blessing and, and protection and provision over my life during those six years in Washington. And I'm so grateful for that time. And, and uh, you know, in a way, it's tough to go out and play against them. But uh, that's what the schedule calls for, and so that's what we got to do. It's time for one of our favorite features. We're going to hear from the fans right now what they have to say and their feedback after the win over Detroit. Hi, uh, my name is Craig Coleman. I'm calling from Tucson, Arizona. Uh, my question would be to Kirk, can he finally put these naysayers to rest? Hasn't he done enough? Two games in a row with four touchdowns, three wins, Obviously, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Thank you much. Go Vikes! <laughs> Always <laughs> Tucson, from Arizona. Arizona. I like that. You know, Craig. I think uh, until you win about four Super Bowls, you're never really safe. I think Tom Brady at one point uh, was taking flack after I think it was 2014 before he won his fourth Super Bowl. Uh, they started the season two and two, and and the narrative was he can't play anymore. Well, he said that about Elway and and Peyton yeah, Manning too. And then he went on yeah. to win three more Super Bowls. So uh, I don't think you're ever safe. I don't think you've ever you know been removed from it or earned your way out of it. I think you just accept it as a part of the job, and you take the good with the bad. And uh, uh, and they also go out there and say, hey, uh, what a great chip on your shoulder and motivation each week to to uh, you know uh, have to play well and 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 prove people wrong. All right, let's go to our next caller. Hey, Kirk. My name's Isaac Brimhall. You know, I'm a longtime Minnesota Vikings fan. I'm a longtime supporter of you and what you've been doing from your time in Washington. Um, and I'm really glad we picked you up. Um, the question is, in college, Irv Smith Jr. was really impressing to me, and I watched him in training camp. He is a really athletic guy, and I feel like he brings a lot of things to the table. And I was wondering, what are some things you think you guys need to do to get him more involved? Because I understand Kyle Rudolph, obviously, is a great tight end, and he's been I'm saying for years, but uh, I think there's other ways you can get Irv Smith involved. Um, Yeah, thank you for your time. I love the question because it reflects the talent we have on our offense and the options we have. Every single time we hand it off to Dalvin Cook is an opportunity where Irv Smith doesn't get a chance to touch the football. But I'm not going to apologize for handing it off to Dalvin Cook. Uh, And then every time we throw it to Stephon Diggs or Adam Thielen, that's a time where Irv didn't get the ball. So, or if you throw it to Irv, that's the time where the other guys didn't get the ball. So, um, the key is when you do throw it to Irv, when you don't throw it to Irv, are the plays productive? And as long as they're productive, then it would suggest, you know, hey, we're spreading it around and doing things the right way. But I would agree wholeheartedly that he's a great asset. We can get him involved, whether it's screens, uh, play actions, quick game, 
whatever it may be, getting them matched up on linebackers and having them go down the field. There's a variety of ways to do it, and uh, and there's no there's no reason we shouldn't. Let's just say the scouts did their did their work because uh, this kid's an, an emerging talent, no question about that. We have time for, as Bob Hagan would say, time for two more. We have time for one more. <laughs> What's up with it, man? It's your boy AJ from Minneapolis, man. So my question I got is, the way the offense been rolling, it seemed like it's been kind of going in phases. We've got our running game going, then we're starting to get our receivers going. Now we're starting to get the tight ends involved a lot more. Is this by design to get the offense peaking at a certain time? Or is this just the way the game kind of played out, man? And once again, I love that edge. I like that you like that, Kurt. Let's like go that. ahead and win the Super Bowl. I'm going to keep saying it. Oh, <laughs> let's go to the bowl, baby. Let's go I love to the it. Bowl. You know, it really was just the way the game played out uh, on Sunday. Nothing special about it. Uh, there was no master plan to suddenly get the tight ends involved more or uh, you know, we had no idea Adam Thielen was going to go out of the game. So, well, you'll be uh, under the bright lights. You're playing your former team, but the bottom line is a Viking win, and you're six and two at the halfway point. That's really all that matters. That's all that matters. That's where the focus is. Uh, no matter what else is being talked about this week, let's just go get a win. And um, and and that won't be easy in an NFL game. You're going to have to scratch and claw to find it, but we got to find it however we can, and then um, and then you know catch our breath at the halfway point. Kirk, good luck on Thursday night. We'll see you again next week right right here on Under Center with Kirk Cousins. Thanks for listening, everyone.